0: This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. This is Secrets of the Most Productive People, a productivity podcast where we work smarter instead of harder and dissect exactly how to get it all done. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor Kate Davis. On today's episode, how to end the imbalance of emotional and unpaid labor at work and home. The balance of unpaid work at home for heterosexual women has never been good. Back in 1965, when time use surveys first started recording time spent on childcare and housework, American women did almost all of the unpaid work at home. But even in pre pandemic America in 2020, things weren't that great. Before COVID gripped the US, women performed twice as much unpaid work at home compared to men four hours a day for women compared to two hours a day for men. The amount of unpaid work that women do at home, by the way, doesn't significantly decrease for those who work outside of the home either. The pandemic has only made things worse. Four times as many women than men have dropped out of the workforce as of September of this year, which is often a result of bearing the brunt of childcare and help with remote learning for kids who are out of school. Joining me to discuss how deep-seated and detrimental the problem of unequal work at home is to women's careers, relationships businesses, and the economy is Gemma Hartley. Gemma is a writer, reporter, and author of the book Fed Up, Emotional Labor, Women, and the Way Forward. Gemma, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So when we're talking about kind of the big umbrella of unpaid labor, which I think a lot of people may associate with things like housework and childcare, which is certainly a big part of it. But you also focus in your book on emotional labor. Can we start by defining what emotional labor is and kind of the importance of it in our lives and relationships?
1: Yeah. So when we're talking about unpaid labor, a lot of the time we're talking about those very physical, visible things And when we're talking about emotional labor, it's the invisible side of that unpaid work. And so it's anticipating people's needs, uh, making a plan to get those needs filled, overseeing work when you delegate to your partner. And it's a lot on your mind and a lot on your plate that uh, really does not get acknowledged.
0: And it's kind of like that, that. It's not only the the remembering things and the doing things, but it's like the the running list of remembering to remind too, right? It's like that yes. you never you never get to like turn your mind off.
1: Yeah, the uh, a lot of the advice that's out there is like, oh well, just delegate it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I've noticed in my research is that we can delegate out, but then there's usually a lot of overseeing happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never really put that item down. It's always you know, your responsibility to make sure everything gets done. And so if you hand that task off to someone else, you are still making sure that it gets done and you're still the responsible party.
0: Yeah, there's like so many there's so many pieces of that, right? Like, remember, think of the thing that needs to be done. Think of the person that you're going to ask to do it, explain to them to do it, check in to see that they did it you know follow up all of those different things. And and when you talk about um emotional labor, it it kind of falls disproportionately on on women almost by default. Can you explain
1: how it's tied up in gender roles and expectations and and why this happens? Yeah, I think that it is very much our cultural expectation that women are going to be the ones to pick up emotional labor. And there's this very pervasive myth that women are simply better at this work uh, rather than being socialized to do this work from a very young age. And we just get that reinforced over and over and over again. So usually by the time that you know we are partnered with someone and we start noticing how uneven the balance is, we assume that we're better at this work because we are. We've mm-hmm. been doing it for so long. And usually, our partners have not ever had to look at this type of work, um, and it, you know, it gets really uneven. And you know, when we talk
0: about emotional labor, we're talking about it a lot in the the context of home and relationships. But emotional labor's toll on women doesn't just show up at home; it also shows up at work too, right? What What does emotional labor at work look like?
1: A lot of the time it can still look like doing those little invisible tasks or even having someone, you know, in a meeting be like, hey, can you take notes when they're perfectly capable and your peer? um, It it can show up as having to really reread and reread your emails to make sure that they come off in the right way. It is a lot of, you know, calculating and anticipating how other people are going to react to the way that you are in the workplace. And on top of that, I think, especially for women who are mothers, that invisible load from home tends to follow you into the workplace. You know, you are going to be the one that gets called if your kid is sick. You are the one that's going to get a text that says, hey, where is this particular item that I left? You know, it's a lot of different moving pieces that you still don't get to put down when you're at work. And that takes up a lot of your mental space. And I think that has really big impacts on women's careers. Oh, 100
0: percent. Whenever this comes up, I always think of this um, story of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's that she was she, I don't think she was on the Supreme Court yet, but she was really high up in her career. And she was the person that always got called from the school whenever her like son misbehaved or like had a problem. And I think at one point she said, you know, this child has a father to call him And it's just like, I feel like every working woman's like, yeah, that's right. That has happened to me. Like, why am I the default person that gets called regardless of what your careers are even? And that, you know, and and the other piece of what you said that I think probably will resonate with every woman listening is the note taking, because I not only have does it happen to you? I think when it's, as you said, your peers, but I've seen it, it happen in meetings when the the woman is senior to the other people in the meeting and somehow she's the one taking the notes and planning the parties and following up and reminding people.
1: And it's like, you become kind of like default office mom, you know? Yes. I've heard that so many times and it's so frustrating, uh, you know, that that follows us. I think, you know, It's really jarring when you hear about like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and these really powerful women. I I spoke to Cheryl Strayed once, and she said she was getting ready to go on stage like with Oprah, (laughs) and got a text that was like, "Where is this child stuffed animal?" (laughs) And it's just like, how like, you know, after being told like, "Do not do not contact me unless someone is dying," (laughs) you know, I I went to Australia last year. And I, you know, I specifically like gave our nanny nothing but my husband's information. And Mm -hmm. then mine was like, you know, very low on the page. Like, don't contact me. I'm in Australia. There's like an 18 hour time difference or something. And I got a call at 3 a.m. to ask if the the kids could watch a certain TV show. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Like, this was definitely worth waking me up about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and like,
1: can you call, call my husband. Like, he's at work, but it's not the end of the world if he gets interrupted.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: and, you know, as we're talking about
0: all of these things, obviously, they're, they're issues that are like as old as time. I mean, there's as old as uh, relationship, as, as old as women working professionally, but the pandemic has definitely made them worse. in in what ways have we seen
1: the pandemic amplify these problems. Well, I think it makes it really clear the inequality that we have. Uh because when I have talked to women, it's always uh the the mom who is deciding to drop out of work because they can't do it with two working parents anymore. It is always mom who is getting interrupted in the middle of a Zoom meeting. Um and On top of that, there are all of these new invisible tasks, all of these new things to think about and anticipate and plan for and delegate during the pandemic. You know, if you have to make sure that your groceries are ordered on time to the house, you have to set up those boundaries with your family on, you know, we're not coming for Thanksgiving, we're not coming for Christmas, and having those hard conversations. You know, a lot of women are doing that not only with their own families, but with their in laws. And I think there is just so, so much added pressure. And it seems in a lot of ways, we haven't been able to let anything go from our pre-pandemic time. We're still working. We're still expected to everything we were doing before. But now there is, you know, distance learning that we're taking care of. There's boundary setting. There's, you know, the pandemic preparedness that we need to have. And I think it's really pushing a lot of women to their breaking point.
0: Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, I can think about just like this, you know, as we're recording this, this is the week of Thanksgiving and I'm thinking about everything that I did to plan the meal, then plan the Zoom, then look up, okay, for, you know, like it went through the the course of, of what's going to um work and be comfortable and then it ended up you know that we canceled everything but at first it was like okay let me look up covid testing for everybody let me look up you know the different requirements let me think about the meal okay now let me set up the zoom for everybody instead like all of this that i'm doing meanwhile i'm still working meanwhile i'm still doing everything else it's like it took the regular thanksgiving planning and it's just you know added uh, extra layers on it and then as you say like everything's you know like that planning the you know okay now we have to buy new masks and we have to like everything else is kind of added on top of it but i think the the biggest piece that you mentioned and is is distance learning and we did a whole series on this show um about the education system and what's going on right now with with school closures and and the problems that parents are facing the problems, that teachers are facing the problems, that kids are facing. But one of the themes that came up in that is kind of the disastrous effects that this is having on women's careers. And um, we talked about the the percentage of women that are dropping out of the workforce completely. Can, can you explain a little bit more how we're seeing that play out and what what kind of this emotional labor and, and
1: unpaid labor affects women's careers? Yeah. So I think it goes back to that Um, idea that we never get to put this work down, even when we are in the office. But when everyone is at home, then you really don't get to put it down. You don't even get to look away for a second. And to have that, you know, not only the needs of your children, but also, you know, the extra needs of the pandemic, uh, all of the things that you have to oversee, it makes work almost impossible. Uh, I had to take a pretty lengthy hiatus while we were trying to figure out how to, you know, distance learn with our three kids. I didn't even have a laptop that I could use during school hours. And if I did, I wouldn't have been able to use it. I think that that, you know, unequal balance in how women are taking on this job and how men are um, is really becoming disastrous for our, our, not just like our careers, but for the economy as a whole, having the, you know, pretty much half of the workforce being, you know, forced to take a step back to drastically reduce what they're doing is not working. And I think it's not just a problem of we've got an imbalance of emotional labor. That's a huge part of it, but we also have no social safety net. And so that work all falls onto women because they're the de facto caretakers in the family.
0: We'll be right back after a quick break.
1: This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you
0: by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. Let's talk about some solutions or at least mitigations of of what maybe on each level, like what families can do, what individuals can do at home, what companies can do, and maybe even like legislative or like government solutions to this unequal balance.
1: Yeah, there are definitely a lot of layers to it. And I think, you know, the easiest place to start is in the home and with your partner. And you know it's it's never an easy conversation to have but it's really necessary to start talking about it and i think a lot of the times you know women run on autopilot and just think i have to do all of these things and they've never taken the time to think about what a true equal partnership would look like and what that would entail and so i think you know really thinking about that and what that would look like in these times specifically uh because i can tell you even like with me and my husband we were at a really good place before the pandemic but you know three months in i was just like wow i am really taking the brunt of it it took a lot of recalibrating to make things work again um so i think really thinking about what equality looks like in this situation and then Just talk to your partner about it. Everyone wants to know what the perfect thing to say is, and I don't think there is anything. Just keep communication open. Talk about it a lot. And then, you know, I've actually been pretty impressed overall with what I've seen from companies. Most have been very understanding of, you know, there's going to be kids running in and out of Zoom calls. All of the interviews I've done, people have you know, either had kids in the background or had my kids come into the background. And I think there has been a great understanding for that. Um, the only real problem I've seen within companies are men deciding to go back into the office because they want that space. Um, and I think that goes back to, that's a partnership issue. That's not a company issue. And then, you know, i I think there's so much work to be done, policy wise, that it it's hard to even begin um to get a grasp on that. We really are at a place where we have no social safety net for families. And I think it's really showing right now. um and i'm I'm hoping that some stuff comes up with the new administration that will, you know, start to bring us forward, start to bring that conversation to the forefront Uh but I think first and foremost, the pandemic needs to be tackled mm-hmm. in order to start thinking about what those will look like. And,
0: and I wonder if you feel this way, you know, coming, ima- imagining when whenever the the end of the pandemic is, imagining, you know, be that six months from now or a year from now, what do you think the best case scenario is, or do you think that they're, you know, this is a time that, that I think, you know, we've been seeing like these issues are, are being like pushed to the forefront. They've always been there, but now it's such, it's so obvious, especially like the work-life balance with children, especially, it's so much more obvious to companies, you know, when, when, as you say, they're in the background of a zoom when, when everybody now is, is doing distance learning at home and maybe um people are just noticing it more. What, what do you think, the, the kind of best case scenario coming out of the, the pandemic could be for, for this unequal balance that we've been living with for so long?
1: So I think the best case scenario is we have a lot of parents who are still at home. We've got a lot of people that are working from home telecommuting. And so you can't really blame that, oh, like my partner is at work all the time and he doesn't really see what goes on in the house. Like everyone sees what's going on in the house now. And so I think this is a real time of opportunity to have those conversations to say, hey, you know, you can't look away from this when you're right here and to sort of tackle those imbalances now, because if we do it now, when we are at the peak of this struggle, I think it's going to be a lot easier once things go back to normal. to Keep that equilibrium. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that, you know, a caveat to that is you need to keep the communication open because it's so easy to slide back into old patterns. But, you know, getting getting that done now, having that conversation now is going to make a really big difference to what those conversations look like after. Do you think, I mean, since, since kind of the, the
0: big uh, crux that's leading this this conversation is this news that everybody's been talking about about the percentage of women that are dropping out of the workforce now, especially. What what do you think, aside from, you know, having these conversations at at home, can be done to to eliminate that or to stop women from
1: dropping out of the workforce? I mean, I I'm not sure that's something that companies can really tackle I think a lot of it is an an education problem we don't have you know and I can't say it's teachers like teachers have done amazing I'm blown away with how much my kids distance learning teachers have done and how well they can keep them on path but the fact is like they need to have a school (laughs) that is open safely that they can go to in order for women to work because I don't think that you can mother and teach and uh you know and uh do your job at the same time i mean i know women can and do but it's not ideal and it's really going to lead us to a lot of burnout
0: yeah i I think that's the the women that are doing it are and you know to be fair the parents that are doing it but again largely the women that are doing it are the are you know as you say, they're going to burn out. You're working until, you know, the wee hours of the morning because you're getting your work done after hours, after the kids go to bed, you're, you know, trying to do, it's just too much at once. I think, you know, we've, we've been talking a bit about like the, the government solution and it's, you know, prioritizing the, the inequality in education too, and prioritizing, you know, as you say, um opening schools safely as you know as there's a lot of pushback for example in new york city right now as opposed to opening bars and gyms safely prioritizing the education of
1: children is really a trickle down
0: throughout the whole economy
1: yeah and i think this really is going to make us think about you know access to having better childcare overall and having better structural (laughs) structures in place to allow parents to you know have access to childcare, I think that that's something we really are going to need to look at after this is all over.
0: Yeah, for sure. Gemma Hartley, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Gemma is a writer, reporter and author of Fed Up, Emotional Labor, Women and the Way Forward. And that's all for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to Secrets of the Most Productive People wherever you listen. Also, if you have a question about work life, productivity, or any other suggestion of what you'd like to hear on the show, leave us a voicemail at 833-582-FAST. That's 833-582-3278. Or you can tweet us with the hashtag FCMostProductive or email us at mostproductive at fastcompany.com. Secrets of the Most Productive People is produced by Joshua Christensen.